could, you can turn your Bibles to the book of Deut- uh, sorry, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> we are going to look at a familiar passage here this morning. Uh, and as you're turning there, I just uh, want to say a little something about visitation. Um, and, you know, I understand the recommendations, but let me ask you this. What is the greatest cure for anyone? To know the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, yes? Okay, so uh, the fear of a physical illness should not ever preempt the fact that we are trying to, to give the overall cure for all illness. And, uh, you know, the, the Easter services, at least at this point in time, are outside of the, the three-week period that uh, the governor has uh, issued an edict on as, as, at this point. And uh, so I see no reason to stop inviting people to the Easter services. Okay, so that being said, you know, everyone needs to do what the Lord, they feel the Lord would have them to do. Uh, but I believe we're going to continue Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Saturday morning. <laughs> okay, so that being said, uh, Numbers 13, Numbers 13, and we're going to begin in, in verse 26. Numbers 13, verse 26. Says and they went and came uh, to Moses. Now these are the the spies. Moses has sent uh, twelve spies into the promised land to spy out the promised land, and they're returning. They've come uh, back to Moses and uh, to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. The men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which They had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of 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 a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, 
would God, that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God, we had died in the wilderness. Before we get into the message this morning, I just want to say, be careful what you ask for. Because they asked at the end of, of what I just read, they said, would God that we had died in the wilderness, and what happened to everyone that was 20 years old and older? They died in the wilderness. We need to be careful for those things which we ask, but let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll look at some of the things from this passage and a little beyond here this morning. Father, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for the health and the ability to be here this morning. Lord, we thank you for this place in which we can come. Uh, Lord, we thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we can fellowship and share the burdens with. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd give wisdom and discretion in the things that are said. Lord, the things that are done through this ministry over the, uh, well, over the remainder of the ministry, Lord, but especially over these next few months. Lord, I just ask that, Lord, you'd use us, Lord, to see people saved, uh, Lord, to see people serving, Lord, to see you glorified in our midst and among those for which we serve. Lord, I just pray that today, Lord, we would put aside the fear, the worry, Lord, the thoughts of of what could happen and rest in your promises this morning. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we look uh, in Numbers 13, the first thing we see is Moses sent the spies. And, and it's, it's interesting to me uh, the, the different, how do I want to put this? The different viewpoints of the one who sent the spies and the spies who were sent. I want you to think about this with me for just a minute. Moses sent the spies into the promised land for a purpose. That purpose was not to tell the people whether or not the land could be taken. That was not the purpose for which Moses sent them into the promised land. Moses sent them into the promised land to figure out how best to take the land. His purpose in sending them in was to to go in, spy out the land, and find out what is the best way for us to fulfill God's promise to the people. But the men that were sent, at least ten of them, uh, had a different idea. They went into the land with the idea that they were going to go see whether or not it could be done. Listen, God had already told them it could be done. It wasn't up to them to make that decision. And here uh, we see, if you look in verses 26 and uh, 27, the promises of God are rich and apparent, by the way, to those who search for it. The promises of God are rich and apparent to those who will search for it. You see in verse 26, it says, they went. And they came to Moses and to Aaron, 
and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and brought word back to them as, as you move down a little bit and showed them the fruit of the land. If you look at the end of verse 26, they brought the fruit of the land. They said, this is what we found. Look at their description in the next verse. Verse 27, and they told him and said, we came on to the land, excuse me, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of the land. God had promised them a land that was flowing with milk and honey. That was God's promise to them. And these men that went to search out the land, when they came back and they reported to Moses and they reported to the people, they said, without saying it, by, by describing the land, by describing what was there, <coughs> they were telling the people, listen, God's promise, what he said of this land was absolutely true. It's flowing with milk and honey. Here is the fruit of it. God's promises are real. The, 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 the land is there. God's promises are rich. God's promises are apparent to those who have their eyes open to see them. These men had walked the land and they had seen the goodness of the land. That was the reason they were sent to the promised land. They were not sent there to find out whether or not there was going to be opposition. You know, too many times I think the church stops doing what it's supposed to do because we look at the land and instead of seeing God's promises, we see the opposition. And here... Here, these men, they've come back. They have the fruit of the land. They have a report of the land, and the land is so nice. It's exactly what God said it was. That should be comforting, by the way, to us as Christians. As we look through the Old Testament and we see God's promises and we see that they're fulfilled over and over and over again, it gives us encouragement that God's promises that he's given to us are true as well. And these men could look at the land and they could say it's exactly what God said it was. But now comes the problem. There's going to be opposition to God's people fulfilling God's promises. There's going to be opposition they walked through the land and they saw everything that was in there. And now they did some exaggerating, by the way. And, and by the way, so many times when we're doing those things that we know are contrary to what God wants us to do, we will exaggerate the problems that go along with it. You say, well, how did they exaggerate? Look, if you would, if I can find it. Uh, verse 32, it says, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all 
the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. That wasn't true at all. That wasn't true at all. There were some giants in the land. The sons of Anak were there. But the Canaanites weren't giants. The Amalekites weren't giants. The Hittites weren't giants. There were some giants in the land. The Jebusites were not uh, giants. There were some giants in the land, but all of the people of the land were not giants. And yet, how many times have you heard someone who's been out door knocking in, in, in uh, they're, they're inviting folks to church and they're doing it maybe because they think it's a duty rather than a privilege. And you hear them come back and you say, you know, I, I got 18 doors slammed in my face. When they may have had one person that spoke rough to them. Okay? We tend to exaggerate the obstacles. And here these men said, all of them are bad, all, all of them are giants, all of these, there's, but listen folks, there's always going to be opposition to doing what God has given us to do. Why? Because we live in a sin-filled world. We live in a world that is controlled by Satan. We live in a world uh, that, that evil is rampant in. And so when we try to shed God's light, there's going to be opposition. It's just going to happen. The nation of Israel was told to go into the promised land here, and and these men were sent there uh, to, to spy out the land, and they came back, and they talk of the opposition. And I want you to see in verse 30 that the faithful will still stand for God. The faithful will still stand for God. You look in verse 30, and Caleb uh, stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. See, Caleb wasn't looking at the obstacles. He was looking at his God, and he said, We are able to overcome it because God is on our side. God is going to take care of these things. We can overcome every opposition. You know, there are times in life when obstacles arise and our first thought is, we can't do this. We can't do this. I, uh, maybe I didn't have that reaction this week, but this week we are up in, in Cleveland and uh, we're at the fine arts competition, and one of the pastors, I was, I was judging uh, quiz team competition, and, and one of the judges next to me as we were in a break, I think it was in a timeout uh, during the competition, he, he put his phone over so I could read the message, and it talked about a governor closing all the schools in the state for three weeks. And I thought, hmm, what are we going to do about that? We are not expecting that in our ministry. And you know, uh, 
God doesn't call us to quit. God doesn't say, oh, okay, there's an obstacle so you can stop. That's not an option for the Christian. It shouldn't have been an option for these people. Yeah, there's opposition there. There's an obstacle in the way, but we can't quit. So, when the competition was over, they had opportunity to go back to the, the hotel room. And I prayed, and I thought, and I prayed, and I thought, went through all kinds of different options. And you know, the Lord leads. When we got back Friday afternoon, I called the teachers together and we had a meeting and I said, listen, and the teachers are here, they can tell you. I said, listen, we're going to do some things and they're not going to be comfortable. They're not things that you've done before, but they're things you're going to do now. We are going to have to make something happen work if we are going to fulfill God's calling in this area. And you know what? We sat down and with conferring with the teachers and, and, and going over what God had laid on my heart to do, and we came up with a plan. And what did I ask the teachers to do, Mrs. Jackson? Pray. I said, listen, I do not know how parents are going to react to this. Don't know. But you know what? God does. And we need to spend the night in prayer. Because we're going to meet with the parents tomorrow. And we are going to tell them that we have to do things differently than they've ever done before. There's obstacles. You know what? We had about, I don't know, what was it, a two-hour meeting yesterday with the parents? Hour and a half? You know how many negative comments I heard? Zero. Why? Because even though there's obstacles in the path, God expects us to move forward. He expects us to follow his leadings whether or not the obstacles are there. Whether or not it's something that we've faced before. These men looked and they saw the giants in the land and they said, we've never seen anybody like that before. At the end of this message, I'm going to go over some things that I went over with the elementary chapel this last week. And uh, we were talking about the giants. And we'll look at them here in just a few moments. So you know what I did? I went and got the stepladder. And I took it and I set it up on the platform and I measured. And I climbed up on that ladder till I was 10 feet tall in comparison to them. And I said, now you think about being the Israelites and you're looking at that. By the way, that's a long ways up. You know, when it, when it, when it starts talking about when it starts talking about the giants and, and these men saying, listen, we were grasshoppers in their sight, it's, it's true. You get up 
so your, your head's 10 foot high, and you start looking at, at third and fourth grade students. They look little, okay? And these men saw these giants, and they saw the obstacle. And instead of going to God in prayer and forging forward in the calling that God had given them, they chose to quit, and they were defeated. They turned around and they left. There was a man here that stood up, God's man stood up, and the faithful are always going to stand for God. This man stood up and said, we can still do it. And you know what he wound up doing for the next 40 years? He wound up dealing with the consequence of everybody else's disobedience. And he wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. He waited an extra 40 years to receive the promise of God that he was trusting in. But praise God, he received it. The faithful are going to stand for God. You know, but many are going to be defeated when they see the obstacles as being greater than the promise. When you look at the obstacles and you see them as being greater than what the promises of God are, it's going to bring defeat into our hearts and into our lives. And it's going to destroy the testimony of these witnesses. God wants his people to move forward in the calling that God has given them. You look with me, verse 31. It says, but the men that went up with him, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Let me make a statement right there. The God of this world and the people of this world are stronger than we are. That's true. It's true. They are stronger than we are. And I don't care how many weights you can lift. Okay, The people of this world are stronger than we are. The wisdom of this world is stronger than we are. The, the, the kingdoms of this world are stronger than we are. But they are not stronger than our God. And that's what Caleb was trying to tell the people here. The giants are strong. They're big. They're powerful. But they are not stronger than God. Listen, I don't know how much of this COVID-19 virus is real and how much of it is hype. I do not know. I know this. The virus is probably stronger than me. But it's not stronger than my God. It's not. It's not stronger than the prayers of God's people. And yes, we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. We need to do what we can to ward off the problem. Listen, the nation of Israel, when it finally went in and defeated the giants, 
they did not go in without weapons. They went in prepared to fight the battle. They were prepared. When Joshua went to the people and he said, listen, we're going to cross the the Jordan River in three days, what did he tell them to do? Told them to prepare. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. The problem comes when we allow the fear to overtake the moving forward. The nation of Israel here allowed the fear to overcome. Now we're going to go over some things here in, in, in the last point. That's very interesting to me, and I know I've preached this message in, in, in time past. And I, I preached it to young people over and over, so some of the young people are going to r- remember this possibly, hopefully. <laughs> okay. But I want to direct your attention to some of the obstacles that the nation of Israel faced. One of them's here in this passage. They faced the crossing of the Jordan into the promised land when the spies had brought up an evil report of the land. And they failed. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They failed. And you don't need to turn there for sake of time here this morning, but I'll, I'll give you the references. If you, you, you look in Deuteronomy chapter 3, look in Deuteronomy chapter 3, and there was a king that came out against the nation of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness, and his name was Og. The Bible tells us that if my conversions are correct, that his bedstead was about 13 feet long. He was a big guy, okay? He was a giant. And you know what happened? God told the nation of Israel to go out and fight. And Joshua led the, 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 the armies of Israel into the battle with, with Og, uh, the king of Bashan, this giant that was facing them. And Og was defeated, and the nation of Israel conquered the land. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 3. Uh, if you go over to the book of Joshua, and we know Joshua is the book of victory, and, and you go down to chapter 15, and we find out there uh, that uh, it says, depending on where you read in Joshua, one place it says that Joshua conquered the giants, uh, but we know when we read a particular reading of it that it was Caleb, and in, in one case, Othniel, Uh, that wound up being the instruments of Joshua that were used to defeat the giants in Hebron. And you know what? These are the same giants. The same giants that the nation of Israel failed before in the book of Numbers. In Joshua chapter 15, this family of giants had grown In fact, it talks about three families of giants there that were the sons of Anak, okay? And those three families were defeated by Caleb and those that followed him. They destroyed them, and they took their cities, they conquered their land, and they received the inheritance that God promised them. 
if you go down uh, to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, probably the most famous giant uh, in Scripture, and, and you read through uh, the account of David and Goliath. And you read that David says the battle is the Lord's, and it's so all the world may know that there's a God in Israel. David understood there's a giant there, there's an obstacle there, there's a, a, a fear, there's, there, there's all kinds of things that are going on here. But God is a God that is in control of our nation, and I'm going to fight for him. And as David went to Goliath, he defeated Goliath, he cut off his head and took it to the king of Israel. And he defeated the giant because he went forward in faith. But it doesn't stop there. You look over in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21, and you read down through there and there are four giants. I'm not going to name them because, for one, I don't remember the names, and number two, the names are hard to pronounce. Okay? There's four giants mentioned in that passage of Scripture. And in every case, one of David's men slew the giant that was defying the armies of Israel. Every one of them. And I say all of that to say this. When you look through Scripture and you see that God has given someone a command and he's given them a calling and he's told them to do something, he also gives them the ability, he also gives them the strength, and he also gives them the power to make sure that it gets accomplished. And there are going to be obstacles. In this case, we're dealing with an obstacle that's a, a, a virus. We can't see it, and it might be frightening because we don't know where it is. We can't see what it is or where it is so that we can face it face to face. It's something that, that is there, and we don't know how dangerous it is, and, and it can be frightening to us. But that still doesn't change God's promise that he'd be with us. And that he'd fight for us. And we need to be prepared. We need to be sensible. But we don't need to be scared. I said to the Sunday school class, what is the, in, in man's opinion, the worst possible outcome of this? We get to rejoice in heaven with our Savior forever. That's the worst thing that can happen to us. So why should we look at it in fear? We look at what the nation of Israel faced here. And we see, let me see, one, two, three. Well, the third time there's at least three times, so that's uh, five, six, and four. At least ten times in Scripture where the giants, the obstacles of the nation of Israel were faced. These giant obstacles. Okay? 
but I want you to see something, and I, and, and I, I want you to get this real deep in your heart. The only giants that weren't defeated were the ones the nation of Israel refused to face. Ten times they were faced with giants. Nine times the giants were defeated. The one time they weren't was in Deuteronomy or Numbers chapter 14. When they refused to follow the word and obtain the promise of who he was. Listen, folks, I am not advocating this morning that we be foolish and that we disregard all the social issues. But what I am saying is that God has called us to be his witnesses. And it does not stop because of Pastor Brian. Listen, the first and foremost obstacle in this effort is sin. And if you're here this morning and you can say, well, I can't put my, I, I, I haven't put my, faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't have this confidence that you're talking about because I don't have Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I don't have uh, this assurance that He's going to be there with me. You know, you can take care of that today. You can ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and save your soul. And if you'll by faith trust Him, He's promised to be with you forever. And He's promised to lead you and He's promised to take you through every trial that you're going to face. Listen, there are a whole lot of us as Christians that when we face an obstacle, our initial reaction many times is, oh no, I can't do that. And that's what we're God's witnesses for. It's like he promised us. He promised us. If you're here today, fears are rolling around. Take the time to pray. Come to the altar. Cast those feet of Jesus Christ. Let him know that no matter what the obstacles are, we're going to move forward and follow